This episode features conversations about gun violence and school shootings. If you're like me, you're tired of everybody having the same Funko Pop figures and Super Mario t-shirts. That's why this episode of Modern Mouse is brought to you by The Geeklery. It's a curated collection of artisan jewelry and goods that are inspired by your favorite movies and TV shows or whatever you like. If you love Disney or Harry Potter or video games or tiki culture, The Geeklery creates one-of-a-kind pieces that you can wear or showcase however you'd like. Better yet, for every purchase, The Geeklery donates 5% of its earnings to the Pop Culture Classroom, an organization that helps educate, inspire literacy, and cultivate diversity in students through their use of our favorite stories. Find the unique item that represents you today at geeklery.com. That's geeklery.com. In 2015, Disney announced that their theme parks would add extra security measures. And this was on top of the bag check that most guests would go through, which was implemented in response to the terrorist attacks of September 11th, 2001. At this same time in 2015, Disney opted to stop selling toy guns. You could no longer purchase a Davy Crockett rifle or a Pirates of the Caribbean pistol. You couldn't even get a Buzz Lightyear laser gun or one of those guns that shoots bubbles. So why did this happen? The reality is that terrorism didn't end in 2001. And gun violence and gun culture continue to be such an American problem that in 2020, there were over 600 mass shootings in the United States. And that was in a year where most of us were stuck inside due to a viral pandemic. It's not hard to see why businesses like Disney want to distance themselves from a culture of murder. But this conversation goes deeper than that. And it's beyond time that we finally start talking about the politics of gun culture in America. My name's Josh Taylor, and you're listening to my podcast, Modern Mouse, a look at the less magical side of life through the most magical lens I know, the Walt Disney Company. In this episode, we're going to talk about Disney's relationship with guns and how the Disney Resort guest experience has changed because of it. But I think if we're going to have this conversation, we need to talk about gun violence in America and what we're doing to stop it. And if we're even taking the right steps at all. I wanted to make my own feature documentary on the topic because I felt like it wasn't covered enough in a way that the survivors were able to speak out and be able to tell our side of the story. I felt like uh, the whole narrative was, you know, told by other other people that weren't there. And that was really, really important to me. 
That's Laura Farber, the director of the documentary We Are Columbine. The film is a first-hand account by students who were at Columbine High School in 1999, when a mass shooting took place at the hands of two classmates. Laura, like the subjects of her film, was in school that day. Ten years ago, even, um, would have been hard to make this film because people didn't want to talk about Columbine. And still, honestly, to this day, a lot of people don't want to talk about Columbine. They don't want to talk about trauma, um, and especially like really personal trauma and then personal trauma that was made public. You know, it's a hard and sensitive line to, to walk. The tragedy of Columbine High School has always hit home for me. I went to school less than 10 minutes away at that time, and for years I drove past Columbine to go to work or to college. In the days after the shooting, the park next to the school had a pseudo-memorial, with visitors leaving flowers and pictures on a fence line that surrounded the area, or even on the cars of those who had died there. In 2007, a proper memorial was built at the park, just 100 yards from the school, and I had never gone to see it. So I went. It was a snowy and windy day in Littleton, Colorado, but I couldn't really tell you how cold it was. Because even now, decades after the shooting took place, I was overwhelmed with emotion. There's a plaque out front. It reads, On April 20th, 1999, in a senseless act of violence, 12 students and one teacher were killed and many others injured at Columbine High School. It was a tragic event that shook the Columbine and Metro Denver communities, horrified and saddened the nation, and changed forever our perception of the safety and security within a school typical of so many across America. Over time, Columbine parents, students, and faculty, and community leaders designed and constructed this Columbine Memorial to remember those killed and injured that day, and to honor their lives. This memorial is dedicated to those innocent victims, so that they are never forgotten. My name is David Dr. Skipper Marley. I'm a former Jungle Cruise skipper, history professor, author, artist, of all things Disney Jungle Cruise related. I met David a few years ago, after seeing him run and perform at a skipper show a stand-up comedy night featuring Disneyland Jungle Cruise skippers. For those that are unaware, the Jungle Cruise is a boat ride where skippers tell jokes and give you a guided tour of the jungle. Each boat is equipped with a speaker system so the skippers can tell you their jokes, and a fake gun so that the skippers can scare away robotic hippos. So let me ask you, um, what was the reasoning for taking guns off the skipper boats initially uh you you came to me at a good time six months ago i wouldn't have known but a lot of it had to do with the shooting at columbine in uh april of 99 that that next day they went through with the order of um cynthia harris who was then the park vp they went through and removed every video game that had guns on it they went through and unplugged all of them 2001, they started stop. They stopped selling old gun toys across the park, like the rubber band guns, even like the space guns. They stopped selling all of those. That was like earlier in 2001, and then by early September, they announced all guns were leaving the Jungle Cruise as well. 
And so it's kind of related to Columbine, but it took two more than two full years after that. It was like a slow process to get rid of guns everywhere. The impact of Columbine cannot be understated. There were mass shootings before Columbine, but it truly was a landmark moment in American history that changed the culture, at least temporarily. The documentary Bowling for Columbine came out in 2002 as an examination of gun culture, the National Rifle Association, and how gun lobbyists were in the pockets of politicians. There were discussions about adding more restrictions to guns or what guns could even be sold. The political discourse also revolved around violent video games and movies and music. It seemed like things were really starting to change. But ultimately, they didn't. And by 2004, Disneyland was back to selling toy guns. And the Jungle Cruise skippers were back to handling their prop guns. I thought the the move to take them away was based on fear. And uh, I think, if I can be very blunt with you, I think Disney does makes decisions based on fear way too often. Any, it's not about any complaint. It's about any perceived complaint. And then they panic. And then people are afraid they may lose their jobs. And so they just start banning things. And this is an example of that. They said, nope, no guns, no guns anywhere. That's it. And then a couple years later, it's like, well, well why? Why were they taken away? Oh, because we were in a panic. <laughs> That's why. So I think it was, a. I worked there twice. Well, the first time I worked there it was with guns and the second time was without guns. And with the guns, it was a lot more fun. Uh, plus it's how you signaled other boats in the jungle. You used it for emergencies and whatnot. And it was replaced with an air horn, which t- takes you out of the jungle cruise moment. When I had a breakdown and I had to use the air horn, it was just kind of dumb. Or at least with a gun, it, it, it seemed to fit the theme but there were changes. Used they used to shoot right at the hippos. You'd aim at them and shoot at them. Uh, but when I was there, we were told to aim up away from the hippo. You're not allowed to point the gun at any animals. You're just scaring them away. Where, Which is still the thing there, right? At this point. Yes. yes. Yeah. 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 You'll get in trouble for pointing it at. Where literally for decades you would point it right. I got that one, and I got that one, and you'd point at the other one. Yeah. But I think it was a bit of an overreaction on their part. It's easy to be reactive, to put the blame on something else. After Columbine, everyone pointed at Marilyn Manson, or Mortal Kombat, or gangs, clothing. If there was an easy target to point at, it was pointed at. Nobody really wanted the responsibility. Disney didn't remove guns from their park because they believed they were bettering the world in some way and being responsible. They did it so that they weren't to blame. The blame game was an easy out, and nobody really had to take responsibility. Guns didn't become less accessible. Mental health services didn't become more commonplace. And bullying was still rampant. In fact, the most that my school did, less than 10 minutes away from Columbine, was outlaws from wearing big coats. As years have gone by, we still have yet to take any real measures and responsibility as a society. 
and have instead put the entirety of our children's safety in the hands of their teachers. Um, My name is Megan. I'm an elementary school music teacher, and I've been doing this for about 13, 14 years now. Megan is a teacher in Florida, and part of her training now comes with preparing for anyone to walk into her school with a weapon. Since 2015, 40 states across America now require their teachers to run active shooter drills for their classrooms. Basically, the whole point of it is you get somewhere where no one can see you, get away from the windows, and you're as quiet as possible. And also, we have to teach them, basically, if they were still confronted by a shooter, what you would have to do. And, you know, you would, at that point, either fight or flight, basically. And we're expecting kindergartners to go ahead and pick up a chair and fight this guy or something. It's just, yeah. (laughs) I wanted to know more about active shooter drills and wanted to understand the mentality of students and teachers during these drills. I talked to Mary, a high school teacher from Chicago, who told me that after the Parkland shooting at Stoneman Douglas High in 2018, her students wanted to be even more prepared. I had a situation one time in my classroom. The lockdown was over, and we were going back to the desks. I hadn't unlocked or taken the cover off of the window of my door, and all of a sudden, somebody came to the door and started jiggling the handle. And they looked at me with this panic look in their eyes. And I was, be honest with you, a little panic, like, what's going on? Because one of the things teachers have talked about sometimes, what would be the perfect time to come after us is during a lockdown drill. For someone, you know, a kid who happened to be there, who's like, all right, I happen to have a gun on me, this or that. So, you know, that would be the perfect time when someone would come after us. So I looked at the kids, I eyeballed them, you know, basically to go back to the corner and we kept our mouth shut. They were perfect. I was so impressed with them. But that's when I saw a little bit of fear in their eyes. Now, I had some kids, not everybody can get to where they're completely away from the door. And they looked at me and went to the desk like I'm ready to chuck the desk. And, I, and I've told the kids before, that is your choice if you want to take action. And that's the thing. They have the choice. So you bring up, Josh, a good point where we want to empower kids to feel like they have some control of the situation. these teachers are protecting students and that students are willing to put up a fight. But isn't it a little crazy that the burden of school shootings has been saddled with kids and the people who are supposed to be teaching them science are also teaching them survival tactics? As more mass shootings have happened, Disney, like other companies, have changed their policies. Rather than being reactionary to a singular event, Thoughtfulness has gone into some of their decision-making. I got my pirate's pistol. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember exactly the year. I was very small. And I remember, um, I mean, I've always loved Pirates of the Caribbean. And so when I saw the toy in the store, I was like, oh, I got to get that because, like, the pirates have it. So, like, I need one, too. 
and I was so excited. I asked my friend Jenny Ray, a local Southern California resident and a big Disney fan, about her pistol that she got at Disneyland when she was young. She actually dug through some boxes in order to show it to me for this interview. She was very excited about it. But when talking about her feelings on it now, she, just like the company it came from, has changed. I mean, I'm completely fine that they stopped selling them, obviously, with like the, you know, the, the world is always changing. And I don't think it would be that great with how everything's gone down with violence and stuff to be selling, you know, weapons basically, especially because the one that I have, I mean, it looks much more realistic than when they came out with the orange ones, you know, and it's just, it's just kind of weird to think like, oh, this was a child's toy. Like I have a gun that's used to actually shoot people. (laughs) It's very weird. Very weird. Disney no longer selling toy guns was done out of practicality. Getting through security checks would be a hassle if you had to pull what seemed like a real weapon from your shopping bag. Disney was taking a realistic approach, as well as a social stance, that they have since stood by since removing guns in 2015. And it's not just Disney looking at the change in culture around toy guns. A program in Hempstead, New York, hosts a yearly roundup of toy guns, and the town actually buys toy guns back from residents. So is this a good idea to curb gun violence or just more political correctness run amok? Well, here to react, former Tucson police officer and director of urban engagement at Turning Point USA, Brandon Tatum. Brandon, okay, so the the folks that that support this program say, um, first of all, we don't want guns being confused with real guns. And second of all, you know, are we teaching our kids the right things when they take a gun out and play with it? What do you say? Yeah, I think this is an overreaction. I, I disagree a thousand percent. I mean, it's not da- the guns aren't dangerous. Okay, people who are who are dangerous or using weapons, whether it's a gun or not, are the ones who are dangerous. I think that we need to teach our children about gun safety. We need to give them access to education on these topics because if we really cared about the safety of children, Brendan Tatum is sort of right here. He goes on to say that gun violence in and of itself isn't really an issue, but countless school shootings are proof that gun violence is very much an American issue. But in truth, big, colorful Nerf guns and water guns aren't something we should be talking about. Like heavy metal music or violent video games, toy guns are another thing that we can blame as a larger society. Should we be rethinking the sale of replica toy guns that look real? Sure. But it seems like we're caught up in this discourse of cancel culture and political correctness far too often. I talked with Laura, who now resides in Texas, about her feelings on gun culture as a mass shooting survivor. Oh, Gosh, well, I think that, well, first of all, I have to say that living in Texas, it's really hard to see outside of that. <laughs> um, but when when I do talk to, let's say, gun advocates, um, I believe that that group, they those people, they're ready to change and they're ready to advocate for change. Um, but they don't, you know, they don't know where to start, right? And you know, for those 
member like NRA members and Second Amendment supporters and gun owners, um, I think they've just wondered for a long time how they can advocate for change, but still protect their rights, right? And I think they're starting to maybe realize and hopefully, you know, a couple of people have approached me after watching screening the film and they've said, you know, perhaps we should stop worrying about that and worry about what needs to happen to prevent gun violence. You know, bipartisan groups, you know, we can actually unify, come together and advocate for change without any judgment or criticism for one's beliefs. Like that sounds really nice um, and a nice little package. But I do think that so many people are jaded because of how divided our country is on every other issue that if we just fo fo like shift focus on the human side of trauma, you know, not just the event itself, and address some of these things that people don't want to talk about, I think then we start to see a change and those, you know, those people can cross over, I guess, more or less, you could say. How do we stop mass shootings? It's a really complicated conversation to have. There isn't a singular solution. Gun restrictions are just one part of the conversation that people might actually be interested in. Social norms have changed since Columbine. I know I'm tired of seeing gun violence in the news every day, and I'm sure that you are as well. This isn't about toy guns or active shooter drills. Those are both band-aids, something that makes us feel better, but underneath that covering is a wound that still hasn't healed. We have to stop thinking of gun restrictions as a political problem, start thinking about it as a human rights problem. We have to continue to make it an issue to address, to not lose focus on what's important. Too many people continue to die each year because we get lost in who or what to blame, rather than truly finding a solution. Before I finish out this episode, I want to give a quick shout to my guests. I can't thank Laura Farber enough for not only talking to me, but making an amazing documentary film with We Are Columbine, which I revisited when I put together this episode. If you want to watch it, you can by renting it on Amazon or iTunes, or you can visit wearecolumbinefilm.com for more info. If you're interested in all things Jungle Cruise, I highly suggest David Marley's books, Skipper Stories, and more Skipper Stories, Tales from Disneyland's Jungle Cruise, where he's compiled a great collection of different stories from skippers throughout the decades. Thanks to Mary and Megan for opening up to me about active shooter drills. You can find Mary on Twitter at DVC underscore Mary and Megan at Megadiz13. You can also find Jenny Ray across various social media platforms as Lil Ray Cakes, where she shines as a personality with various sketch comedy characters. You can find me on Twitter or TikTok these days at Modern Mouse Josh. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen and leave a rating or review. Share it with a friend. It helps the show out. And until next time, my friends, thanks for listening and keep moving forward.